Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is there in the Old Testament. It immediately follows the book of Psalms, and it is one of three wisdom books within the Old Testament. The other two being Job and Ecclesiastes. And we'll touch briefly today on the relationship between these three wisdom books. But in the uh, Hebrew Bible, they, they come together as a, as a package, if you will, of wisdom. And today we will begin a journey through the book of Proverbs. Um, I have a clear path ahead of me, at least to the end of chapter 9. And then we'll see what happens from there. Um, as we look at what oftentimes seems to be a collection of random sayings, and yet we're gathered together by God's inspiration and given to us for wisdom. Today we will look at the introduction and prologue to the book of Proverbs as we considered Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do ask for wisdom today, for understanding, for prudence, for discretion. We ask that you give us wisdom. As we look at this passage today, guide us. Fill my words with your spirit so that it's not just me up here talking, but it is you changing lives. Fill your people with the spirit so that their ears might be open and their eyes might be open so that they might see the glory that you have for them. And so they might hear your truth and be changed. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So how does the world work? And how can I do my best to get on within this world? You ever wondered these things? You ever wondered what it is to live life and how we can best live life? Have you ever wondered how to choose a path in life or what does God want me to do? The book of Proverbs helps us to answer these questions. And as we look at this introduction to the book of Proverbs today, we are going to to answer three specific questions. Number one, what will we learn in our study of the book of Proverbs? Number two, to whom is the book of Proverbs written? Number three, where do we begin? First, what will we learn as we study the book of Proverbs? Well, in short, as we study the book of Proverbs, we are going to look at and learn, well, Proverbs. But what are Proverbs? Now, we typically think of Proverbs as being these short little sayings, a stitch in time saves nine, a penny saved is a penny earned. And this gets us kind of close to what we are going to look at and what we think of when we think of biblical Proverbs. But these short sayings are only part of the picture. As you look through the book of Proverbs, we will find that Proverbs can be long. They can be short. And today's passage 
is considered one whole proverb in verses one through seven, as is the entirety of chapter eight. In Hebrew thought, proverbs are like parables. As we consider the New Testament, as we consider Jesus teaching, we see that he teaches in parables. He takes earthly realities, shows them to us in such a way that we see spiritual realities so that we might be changed to live for God's glory here on this earth. And Proverbs are very much the same way. The author of the book of Proverbs looked at the world around him. And more than likely, the author is Solomon, the son of David, as it is ascribed to him here at the beginning. But he looked at the world around him. He took other literature from other cultures as they looked at the world around them. And he said, these are truths that we can live by as we look at the world around us. Truths that not only point us to heavenly realities, but truths that bring those heavenly realities into our own lives. They are very earthy in that they deal with things of our everyday life. Typically, when we think of the scriptures, we think of high and lofty truth. And those high and lofty truths are there for us in the book of Proverbs, but they come to us in everyday language, reminding us that our our walk with God is not merely something that we do here on Sunday morning for an hour or two hours, depending upon whether or not you come to Sunday school. But our walk with God is something we do in every aspect of our life. So we will look at how God's wisdom and truth affects things like our marriages, our work, our family relationships, our evangelism, even as we consider the truths that are here before us. It's important for us to also consider that these truths that are presented here for us are descriptive of the world around us, not prescriptive. What do I mean by that? Consider one of the most often spoken uh, proverbs within the church. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is older, either he will not depart from it or it will not depart from him, depending upon how that is translated. That is a description of. Of the world. It is not a prescription. It is not necessarily a promise that if you raise your children within the context of the church, that they will one day be a Christian. But it is a description of what typically happens when you raise a child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And that is that is how Job and Ecclesiastes relate to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs lays out the principles, the truths. And Job says, okay, if it's true in the world that a righteous man prospers, what happens when a righteous man doesn't prosper? Why does that happen? And the book of Ecclesiastes looks at the question of, well, what happens if I pursue these truths alone and by themselves and we fall into despair? And it's interesting that all three books have the saying within them that the fear of the Lord is either the beginning of wisdom, as we have seen in Job and in Proverbs, or is the only thing worth pursuing in this life, as we see at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. These earthly sayings that lead to change lives through spiritual truth will lead us to the path of wisdom. But what is wisdom? Wisdom. 
We think of wisdom as someone who has the right answers to the questions. Think of the comic strips or the stories of people who have climbed the mountain to find the guru. And the guru is sitting there all cross-legged and you, you climb the top of the mountain and you say, oh, guru, what is the meaning of life? And the guru gives you the answer, or the guidance. That's typically what we think of as wisdom. Somebody who has the answers. But in the Bible, that's not wisdom. That's just knowledge. All of us can gain facts. All of us can experience truths about the world. We have our five senses. We can see, we can hear, we can touch, we can taste, we can smell. Truths about the world. But just gathering data is not wisdom. Wisdom is looking at that data and having moral insight into the character of God. The wise man is the one or the wise woman is the one who knows how to act in harmony with the moral governor of our world. Wisdom at its most basic is being able to take the truths of this world and the truths of of God and live a life and apply those truths in our actions in such a way that we bring glory to God, to live our lives, to take those truths and apply them in such a way that we live in harmony with the moral governor of this world. We see this in some of the synonyms for wisdom that we have in this passage. I'm just going to touch on a few of them because we'll dig more deeply into them as we go through Proverbs. But synonyms to wisdom that we have in today's passage, the first one is discipline which is correction that comes through minor punishment or rebuke. Think of raising a child. You don't just discipline for the sake of disciplining or for the sake of exerting control or power or strength. We punish in order to shape the life to be one that is in conformity with God. Understanding is the ability to know about righteousness, to know about justice, To know about piety, understanding involves being able to look at the world and see what is wrong with it and know how to make it right. It talks about insight in this passage. Insight implies the ability to know how to apply the knowledge that one gains through the teachings. Prudence is the ability to act in accordance with the wisdom or choose correctly between right and wrong. In 1 Samuel chapter 24 and 25, David is on the run and he and his men come to the farm of Nabal, Nabal, however we pronounce that. And he says, give me some food, help me take care of my men. And Nabal refuses, says, I am not going to take sides on either part of this aisle for either you or for Saul. So get out of here, get out of my face. And David says, fine, if he doesn't want to provide food for me, I will take it from him. And he begins to arm his men and he begins to set out plans for attacking Nabal, for killing him and for seizing his property and his flocks. Nabal's wife, Abigail, sees the situation. She sees the sin of her husband in avoiding providing food for the anointed of God. But She also sees the potential sin of David who will bring potentially bring judgment upon himself for murdering Nabal for a meal. And so she acts to take and have a meal prepared for David's people. And she takes the meal to him and she is described as prudent. 
for being able to act in such a way that avoids sin in David's life. And the list goes on. In our study of Proverbs, we will hopefully learn how to take God's word and live in God's world in such a way that he was honored. And we will do this through the power of Jesus. Because Isaiah 53 says that it is the discipline, the same word that we see there in verse two. It is the discipline that brings us peace that fell upon our Messiah at the cross, that fell upon the Son of God at the cross, because we will not get the full discipline of God for our shortcomings, for our failings, because for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that full discipline fell upon Jesus at the cross. So what will we learn? We will learn wisdom. So who will learn wisdom or to whom is the book written? The opening title of Proverbs says that it is written by Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. This grounds the book in a certain place in the history of Israel. Solomon was the last king of the unified country before it was split into north and to south. And in the immediate context, this would have been written for his son. This would have been a training manual for the prince so that he could be a good and wise king. We know that Solomon prayed for wisdom from God and God gave him that wisdom. He applied it in first Kings with his own people. He applied it to the nations around him. The queen of Sheba came to see if he was truly as wise as everybody says he is. But there's something missing here in our in our title in verse one that we would expect to find when we compare Proverbs to similar books from the same time in history. If this was merely written for his son, we would expect it to say the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel for his son, Rehoboam. But it doesn't say that it's left off. The 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 attribution to Rehoboam is left off so that then we know that this is for all people. And it's for three types of people that we see in today's passage. The first type we see in verse four, for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. So the first type of person that Proverbs is written to is for the simple or for the young. Now, the Solomon didn't mean the simple in the same way that we sometimes mean simple in our world. The simple is merely somebody who is naive about the way the world works, about the way that God works in this world. And because of their naivete, they have not made a decision about either walking in wisdom or walking in folly. They are somebody who merely needs to be trained in wisdom because they don't know. No moral agency there. They just simply don't know. Once again, we go and we think about children. Our children don't know the way the world works. Our children don't know how God works in that world. So they need training in that so that they may choose the way of wisdom rather than the way of folly. The second type of person introduced in this verse comes at the second half of verse seven. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, there are varying degrees of fools that we will see as we go through our book of Proverbs But at its most basic, the fool is the one who has chosen to turn his back on God's wisdom. It is a moral agency that he has looked at wisdom and said, I've got a better way. I'm going to follow my own way. 
And so the first two types of people are the simple or the young. And it's important for us to understand that the simple, excuse me, the simple and the fool. It's important for us to understand that the simple and the fool can still make a choice to turn their back on folly and to pursue wisdom. Different types of fool are further down the spectrum and further away from that choice, but the choice is still there for them to turn from their folly, from their moral depravity. And the third type of person addressed in Proverbs may may surprise us. It comes there in verse six or verse five, excuse me. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Proverbs is written for the wise as well. I was reading an article this week and it talked about eternity. How we will spend our eternity plumbing the depths of God's glory, plumbing the depths of God's wisdom. And we will never get to the bottom The book of Proverbs is for the person who is already wise because they're not as wise as they could be. We will constantly be learning about God. We will constantly be learning about his wisdom. And hopefully we have the God-given humility to admit that we have not made it. That we don't know it all, even though we know a lot. So the book of Proverbs is written for the simple for the fool and for the wise. And finally, where do we begin with wisdom? The beginning comes there in verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is not acquiring knowledge. It's not acquiring data. It's not going out and doing a bunch of experiments to see how the world works. The beginning of our walk towards wisdom is the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is not the terror of the slave. It is the reverence of the child toward his or her father. The fear of the Lord, according to one commentator, is regarding God with reverent awe, respecting him. Being concerned about the consequences of displeasing him. Living purely and wisely before him. Submitting to him. Turning from our self-assertion and evil. Acknowledging God's sovereign reign over the universe. Being open to his training and correction. And trusting that his ways are best. In short, fearing God is to love him and keep his commandments. If we don't have that, we cannot have wisdom, brothers and sisters. We might as well not even start this walk if we do not fear God. Because, yeah, we can learn some good things about working. We can learn some good things about our families. But we will have missed the boat. There are close to a hundred words A hundred times in the book of Proverbs that some name for God is used. Eighty seven of those occurrences are the word that we have here. Lord, the covenant name as Moses is there before the burning bush in the wilderness 
And God has come to him and said, go and tell my people that I will release them from slavery. Moses says, well, who am I going to say sent me? And God says, tell them that I am has sent you. Your covenant God, the God who will save you so that you can worship him, the God who will release you so that you can live according to his will. And in those 87 times that God's covenant name is used, we are reminded that this is not merely a collection of sayings. This is a covenant document that teaches us how to live well before God, just as much as the Ten Commandments, just as much as the law, just as much as the letters of Paul. This is a covenant document that says, obey and live, disobey and die. And if we don't start with the fear of the Lord, that fear that brings us salvation, that belief that brings the grace of Jesus Christ upon each and every one of us, we will fail in our pursuit of wisdom. So where do we begin in our search for wisdom? We begin with the fear of the Lord. Finally, what we will see in our study of wisdom is that we are without excuse. If we remain simple, we don't just stay stagnant. We become the fool because in choosing to remain simple, we choose a way that is contrary to God. And we will see in this study that wisdom, much like the gospel, is freely offered to anyone who will partake. Who will believe, who will fear God. And we are left with this choice as we study. Will we choose to seek wisdom? Or will, or will we continue in folly? Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for Solomon, for his wisdom, and for his willingness to write down these sayings. Sayings that don't just tell us how the world works, but sayings that remind us that we are to be obedient to you, to pursue your wisdom in this world, and to fear you above all things. Help us to make sure as we pursue wisdom, as we study Proverbs, that we are starting from the right place. The fear of the Lord, that that is our foundation for wisdom, that that is the only hope that we have to attain wisdom is to fear you, to love you and to keep your commands. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.